Father, we thank you that you are our God, our help. You've helped people since the beginning of time, from eternity. And you continue to do so, and you've blessed us.
brought us together and called us your children. We have so many blessings, Father, that you've given to us, not only to be called your child and sending your son to make that possible, but you've given us all these wonderful things of the earth to enjoy and for the people around us. God, we just pray that we can honor you in all that we do with it and take these gifts that these people give from their hearts and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful day and for the opportunity that we have to worship you. We thank you, God, that you've been around a long time and you know exactly what we need. You know, even the thoughts that we have before we even express them. We thank you that you're a God who's so great, wants us to speak to you as your children bring to you our burdens and our concerns, that we speak to you in ways that, Father, that you, we can show, and that you can open us to us to the depth of your love and understanding. Today, Heavenly Father, we come to you with our nation. We love it, and yet we know there's a lot going on. There's a lot of wrong. We praise you, God, that you're the sovereign Lord of the universe, Lord of the universe. Nothing gets you by surprise. We pray, Father God, especially for our leaders to hear your words and follow them and lead this country in a way that's fitting for you, God. We pray for those who keep us safe and who basically protect us from other nations to try to overrun us and keep us as a safe democracy. Father, we thank you for those who are in the streets that help us and protect us, that we can enjoy life when they can't always be responsible and take that freedom and use it properly. We pray, Father God, for those who are in our shut-in lists. We think of Bill and Evelyn and Lucille and Karen and Kay and Joyce that are all shut in, that are having difficulties 
in their lives with health. I pray, Heavenly Father, too, for uh, Larry's stepdad as he makes the adjustment to the nursing home. I pray for my cousin Nancy, who's battling cancer. We think of our brother Sam, who's uh, having eye problems and bringing healing to it. I pray for my friend Scott, who also is having an eye issue and is healing. I pray for Barbara, who took another fall in a nursing home, and I pray for her recovery. I pray for Cindy and for Angie. Both of them have cancer and are battling. I pray, Father God, for Todd, Angie's husband, his health issues also. I pray for Mark Dops, Lord, and for his battle with his cancer. I pray, Father God, too, for uh, the struggles that some families are having. I pray for a wife that she'll open up her heart and hear your word and speak to her. That, Lord, that healing can come to that marriage and be restored to full strength. I pray also, too, Father God, for the circumstance of our church right now as we're on the move moving towards a new denomination. Give us the wisdom that we need. Help us to honor you no matter where we are. I pray for those who battle addictions. I think of Ryan and Jordan, David, Eric, Ricky, and Mitch. Lord, all these are battling very severely, Lord, and I just pray that you'll bring them that they'll look to you, Jesus, for their deliverance and move away from that addiction. And now, Heavenly Father, we come to you with the word. We thank you for the people of the past who've made so much and struggle just like we do. And yet how you remind us through them and through your word that you have things in mind here, Lord. I ask you now, Father God, speak to our hearts as we come to you, Lord, with open minds and open hearts to hear what you have to say. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Everyone in this room has been there before. You've prayed you prayed, you prayed for that person to get well, and they didn't. Some of you have prayed for someone who has fallen away from the faith, or who has left a marriage, or who has gone further into their addiction, and rather than them getting better, it's gotten worse. And you've prayed and poured out your heart before God, and yet there doesn't seem to be an answer. Sometimes we can feel like <clears throat> what the psalmist felt. He was struggling, and in Psalm 13, he said to God, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? He struggled as a mature believer. We know life is, not sh life is short, <clears throat> and God has a plan for each one of us, but in that plan, as we know, there are side roads and zigzags and detours, like our message title, God's plan 
has its setbacks included in it. And that is hard. Sometimes we feel like we're going around in circles, waiting for something to change, and it doesn't. <clears throat> and one of the things I've learned in my life, an old saying that says everything will work out, just not the way I expected it. We live with <clears throat> disappointment. Disappointment is the hopes and expectation that we would hope that they change to, but they don't. Sometimes it's even regret because of the decisions that we've made. What happens with our disappointments is because of our focused outcome doesn't materialize. And we become disappointed. We become discouraged. In our society today, Americans have been tested and watched for over since 1972. And every three years, they do a survey of people who are happy. In 2018, they said 31% of the American population said they're very happy. In 2021, they said 19% said they were very happy. Those who were not happy in 2018 were only 13%. But in 2021, it is skyrocketing. Now, today we're in a series called The Journey of Faith. We're with Moses. And if we remember that God had brought Moses, uh, God had brought the Israelites, 70 people in fact, when Joseph was a leader in Egypt to save them from famine. And God used the famine to help them. But as Joseph left his leadership because he died, 400 years came between Moses and Joseph, and in that time, they wound up in slavery. And as we've been studying, we know why God put them into slavery, because he was building up a strong army, an army of 600 men who could be strong in battle, and they needed that pressure of slavery to get them there. They also grew to over a million people. <clears throat> And that even in the midst of that, God was working to build them a great nation. Then God raised up a leader. During that time, infant side was going on and the Pharaoh was trying to kill the babies. And yet, isn't it amazing that God provided for the leader that he chose out of a couple who, by faith, had a baby, conceived a baby... And that that baby <clears throat> was found by Pharaoh's daughter in the bulrushes at the Nile. And took him in for care. And said they needed a Hebrew woman and his sister was there. And she said, I can find a lady that will nurse him. And sure enough, it was his mother. And little did Pharaoh know, but his daughter was paying out of his pocket Moses' care. <clears throat> that daughter adopted him. Got him the best education in the world at that time. Probably went to the University of Cairo, but for 50 years or 40 years, he was trained by them. And one of the beautiful things that we know, he was taught in astrology and astronomy. He was taught in mathematics, <clears throat> but he was also trained how to write. In fact, Moses wrote the largest portion of the Bible, which was the first five books of the Old Testament. And he did so because he was trained in 
his writing skills. God did that. We also know he had anger. Wound up murdering somebody after the 40 years and wound up running for his life because he was on the lamb. Because the pharaohs were after him to kill him because he murdered an Egyptian. But God used that. <clears throat> Put him out in the desert of Midian where he met his wife. And he also learned how to deal with foolish, stubborn people by dealing with sheep. We all know sheep can be very stubborn. And don't want to go according to plan. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 23 says, he makes them lie down. Why does it say that in the Bible that he makes the sheep lie down? Because they don't want to sit down. It takes the shepherd to make them sit down because otherwise they would wander all night and they'd be tired and would be able to do the task the next day. And so shepherds have to force sheep to lay down to get their rest. And that's what Moses did. A lot of times he had to force the Israelites. Well, God came then to Moses. Here he is 80 years old in the desert of Midian. And God comes to him in the burning bush. Not unusual for the desert because a lot of bushes burn. But this bush was on fire but never burned up. It was a theophany that God was showing himself to Moses. And God comes in the bush and says, Moses, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and to be my man. And if you know that Moses had a whole list of excuses why he couldn't fulfill God's plan. Well, who should I tell him, Lord, that, tell him that I am the one who started it all and did it all, is in control of it all. That's who's telling you to do this. But Moses says, God, I, I can't. I've got a bad, I can't speak well. All the excuses you could have imagined. Finally, Moses capitulates. And he and Aaron are going to go before the Pharaoh. And as we know, Moses and Aaron are going to run smack dab in the face of disappointment. Thinking that they're the children of God and they're on a mission from God and God is going to take care of all their needs and get them going. But they realize Disappointment right off the bat. I don't know about you, but I took on a task one in the ministry when I first started out. And you know, it's one of those things where you have that realization where you say, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Or, God, how could these people act this way to their pastor? Well, today we see what Moses went through. Just like us. He had disappointment. After Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. 
Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or that we die with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. Here Moses and Aaron were thinking they were doing God's work and doing good and God was going to take care of them and provide the way clear for them. to. And God said, no, that's not the way it's going to be. You're going to go through some hard times with this. You see, God is that way. He will take us through some difficulties because he wants to build inside of us, Moses and Aaron and the people, the muscle of faith. Pharaoh says, well, Moses, why should I do this? You're telling me that I'm going to give you off at least a week, three days to get there, a day to worship, and three days back. Moses, are you kidding me? I'll lose all that labor and time. You've got to be kidding me. And what we see here is what sometimes we go through, isn't it? You pray and you pray. And things get worse rather than better. And that you see that maybe it's unbearable at times. And we see what happens is that the children of Israel, their foremen will go to Pharaoh behind the back. And sometimes you know and I know when God speaks to us, we need to do it. But we don't expect the hard times with it. See, Pharaoh doesn't compromise with Moses. He says, no. Sometimes we find ourselves compromising with God. We do the if game. If you do this, God, can we do that? God's got patience, but he's also going to deal with us because he loves us and he wants us to grow. Oh, Moses probably could in there. Sometimes we see that, don't we? I'll give my life to Christ, but I can't do this. God demands ultimate allegiance. Don't go too far away, Moses. But that wasn't the answer that Pharaoh gave him. He said, no. Sometimes we see it where families, leave your family behind. No, in fact, we're going to see Moses made a fatal mistake here with his family. I've had people say to me, well, we have to let the kids make up their mind about what religious thing they want. We don't do that with our gardens. We don't spade them and then see what kind of seeds fall in that garden. We do what's right. We make them do things because we know how wild they can be. And I've seen it where some people feel religiously that they have to do that with their children. They're making a huge mistake. We see that in our world today with Children, six and seven years old, making decisions whether they want to be a boy or a girl? Are we kidding ourselves? That's the tragedy. 
given the responsibility that they were never meant to have, parents' responsibility. The Bible here shows us that Moses was shut down. And Moses struggles. And we see how uncaring the Pharaoh is. Go back to your labor. Moses panics. See what he needed to do. Like Joshua 40 years later. Who's going to take the children of Israel. Into the promised land. That he says to Pharaoh. No matter what happens. We're going to do what God wants us to do. And you're not going to be able to stop us. And then we're going to trust you, God. No matter how dark it gets, that's faith. That's trusting. But Moses lets the disappointment blacken his vision. The disappointment darkens his eyes that he can't see clearly. And he's struggling. We'll see that. course he gets discouraged when we're turned down how often is it that we feel discouraged and not thinking that maybe God's got something bigger and better for us rather than collapsing into our discouragement we see the discouragement here therefore go now and work for no straw shall be given to you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. Pharaoh is being really nasty here. He said, we used to supply you with the straw that you need for the bricks. Now you're going to go out, out of the stubble out there in the fields. And you're going to collect it. And you're going to keep up with the same quota of bricks that we demand of you. It's not looking good. And the officers of the children of Israel saw... That they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce the bricks from your daily quota. These foremen went to Pharaoh. Rather than talk to Moses and Aaron. And Pharaoh knew what he was doing. He was going to do the divide and conquer of Aaron and Moses against the people of Israel. And cripple their call for freedom. Then as they came out. From Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron and who stood there to meet them. Moses and Aaron wanted to hear what they said. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge you. Lord, condemn you. Send you to hell, basically. Because you have made us an abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh. In the sight of the servants. And to put a sword in their hand to kill us. You've given them license to kill us here. Way you've handled this situation. And look at how Moses. So Moses returns Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought me trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he's done evil to the people and neither have you delivered your people at all. He is really getting into God. 
He's angry at God. And he's struggling because we know how important it is that we, our colleagues support us. We see that. Whenever something happens, like with the police department, if the seniors or the senior officers don't back the people or the community doesn't back the people, people struggle. They found this in the study in Vietnam and, and, the, and the difference between the desert war and Vietnam. A lot of Vietnam veterans have problems with PTSD. And they studied and figured out what it was. When they were in Vietnam and they got on a plane and came home, they began to tell their soldiers, don't wear your BDUs. Don't wear your soldiers' outfits. When you show up at the airport, wear your regular civilian clothes. And the reason why that was is because there were people at the airport waiting for them to get off the plane. And they were spitting at them and saying all kinds of nasty things and calling them murderers. And they didn't have that support of the country. We were divided on whether or not to be in Vietnam or not. And they were hearing this. Even relatives would ignore them. It was an Iraqi war. Soldiers were wearing their BDUs and they walk into an airport and people would line the hallways and clap for them and say thank you for what they had done. And here we have Moses. The very people that they were doing this for and that they thought they were going to help are yelling that God should judge them for what they had done. Pharaoh had divided them very well. And Moses goes through this meltdown and says, God, why did you send me here? God, why have you brought this trouble onto the people? These are your people, God. You don't treat them this way. And Moses was struggling with the lesson that we all struggle with, doesn't he? Because you see in this plan of God and his will, as you grow in your maturity in the Lord, you realize that he's God and we're not. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows the reason why he's doing it. He's got a purpose for you and for the others around you to experience as you go through that. And we don't like that. We don't want to have to deal with that. But that's what God does. Because he loves us. He wants us conformed to be like Jesus. And like Israel who had to spend 40 years in slavery. As Moses and Aaron and the people had to go through this right now. They can't see the future. But God has a purpose in it. So that they're a great nation, but they can't see it. And God gives them the name. He says to them, I've shown myself to you in the past as El Shaddai, God the Almighty. The all-powerful one. But now I'm going to show you the Lord. The Lord of it all. And that God is going to show them his way. He even speaks about a genealogy in here that I didn't get the chance to include here. 
what God is showing them is a timetable about how God has worked through Israel through the centuries to help them to get where they're at today. And that's an important thing for us to learn, that God's timetable is not ours. And that's hard to admit. And yet Moses could not get to the Red to Sinai until he first went to the Red Sea. And they couldn't get to the Red Sea until they had to go through the plagues. And they couldn't get to the plagues until Moses went back to Pharaoh. And Moses needed to go back to Pharaoh and not listen to his critics. But he doesn't see this because God sees the bigger picture. He does not. And one of the beautiful things, folks, if I can leave you with anything in this message, is this verse from Job. In verse, chapter 23, verse 10. Job has gone through this horrendous loss in his life. His friends have not been helpful. But knows that Job makes this statement. That if there's anything you get out of this sermon today, this right here. Job 23.10. It says, he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me. I will come forth as gold. He knows what you're going through. He's even sent it at times. He knows what you need as I, he knows what I need. And he has to put me in that pressure cooker. In that life journey of twists and turns so that I can get it right. And he knows what I need. And one of the things that we can learn from this, that sooner or later it's going to come to fruition, but it probably will not be my way. Most of us struggle with that. We want it our way. We have an expectation and we've written the script and God, you can just... As I pray it to you, you can just take care of it. Not happening. There's a lot of well-meaning people who struggle as Christians. I was reading about a father one day coming home from church with his little daughter in the back seat. And him and the wife were sitting in the front, and the little girl was in the back seat. The father said, Honey. What did you learn in Sunday school today? She said, well, Dad, God never says oops. 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 He's never caught by surprise. What happens is not surprising to him. He causes these things to go on because he wants the best for his people. You and I 
can memorize the wonderful verse in Romans 8 where it says, all things work together for the good to those who trust and are called according to his purpose. And the reason why we can do that is because God never gets caught off guard. He doesn't have a mistake. He doesn't have an oops. Because he knows what he's doing. And the purpose behind what he has caused and allowed to happen. This is the almighty God. The Yahweh that we serve. And you see, people of Israel are really complaining to Moses. They're angry at Moses. They're giving him a what for. You know how we talked about how, I think last week I talked about, God causes certain things to happen to you here because he's preparing for you. The next thing that's coming down the road is this. And these people are complaining to Moses. And we realize that God is preparing Moses and Aaron to lead these people who are complaining here to him. That they're going to continue to criticize and continue to complain against God and his leaders. That was them as they're going to go through the desert. They want to blame the management. And you see, God does that. Because he wants us to have faith and not complain, not <clears throat> criticize. God's got the game plan. It's interesting that <clears throat> there's a spot that I didn't include in your scripture today about circumcision. And one of the things we find out about Moses, and this is a danger. Moses left Egypt and went to Midian. He got married and had a child. And that child he had was named Gershom. But he never had that child circumcised. And we find out later on in the passage that his wife is upset because he overlooked that. You see, because he wasn't spiritually attentive at that time. He had been lulled asleep by his living in the desert. And didn't take care of the spiritual spot in his life. You know, sometimes we can be perplexed at how this could happen. But God has a purpose in it all. He wants us to remind us how important it is that we keep on doing what we're doing by faith and trusting God, even when things look dark. Because you see, we need each other. We need the church. We need the word of God in our lives. We need people around us that are following the word. And this is the tragedy of the church today that's not upholding the morals and values. That's what we're here for. We're reforming the world by the word of God. That's what reform means. Instead, Moses got on vacation with God when he went to Midian. 
And his wife makes him wake up, smell the coffee, get it right with God. I don't know about you, but we need each other. We need to encourage each other when we begin to hear all these crazy things that the media likes to put out there and people are doing in our society. We need people who stand on the word of God and say, no, that's not right. What's right was what God says in his word. And we need that support. And that we don't take a vacation from it. You know, I want to share with you a story in my own personal life. We would always go on vacation and the different places we went to. One time, we went to a place called Beach Haven. It's a small, basically, island off the coast of New Jersey. And you know how it is. You're all excited. We're going to be at the beach for seven days, and it's going to be wonderful. And so Friday night, we packed up the car, and Saturday, we, we took the three-hour drive down to South Jersey to get to the beach. We get over into Beach Haven, which is in this island. We unpack the car. We put on our bathing suits. We're ready to go to the beach. We're thinking, Mom and Dad are taking us to the beach. Oh, my goodness gracious. We had our lunch. And we all get in the car thinking, we're going to the beach. No. Nope. We ride around with a phone directory. That island looking for what churches were going to be open tomorrow morning. That have a church service. And that's a church that is agreeable with us. And that also has an evening service. Don't worry, I'll make you No. We don't take a vacation from God. And there we were. Saturday afternoon, riding around, which could be wonderful beach time. We were riding around in this 54 green Ford. Two-door. Two forty air conditioning, two windows down at 40 miles an hour. Looking for churches. Oh. But guess what? Those values paid off. Mom and dad had invested those into all three of their kids. That we still hold to today. And we see the Hebrews now. They turn on Moses, and Moses feels the impact of that. He's so upset. And Moses is struggling with his faith. And he's having a hard time seeing God's plan. Isn't that like us? And sure enough, because you see, he had expectations. He expected God to come through and everything was going to work out fine. And God is saying, no, it's going to work out. You know, as you know, and as I do, we all know that God is going to work out the situation. One thing I learned in my life, it may not be the plan that I had. That's the way God works it. 
And I've had people, you know, and, 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 and you can see it too, that had grand expectations after they gave their life to Christ and came before the altar. And they thought for sure that was the magic way that the genie was going to be rubbed on the bottle. And we pray what we're going to do and God is going to turn it around. And then they say, well, I, I gave my life to the Lord. And, you know, I tried that prayer thing once, but it just didn't work for me. So I just don't do it. Because they had their own expectations. They didn't understand what God had for them. And their disappointment walked them away. God is trying to teach Moses and the children of Israel. Makrathume in the Bible, the word is in the Greek. And it means long-suffering, trusting God. Even when you don't see the outcome coming that you want, that you're still going to trust Him no matter what happens. You opened up the book of Revelation, folks. You'll see that right there. Here you have a guy by the name of John the Apostle. Wrote the Gospel of John, wrote the Epistles of John, wrote Revelation. And here he is now on Patmos at the end of his career. Probably even near 100 years old. No way to escape. And yet he sees clearly what God's going to do. He understands God's kingdom, God's work. And that God's got a design for this whole thing. And he's not threatened by his imprisonment. This is a circumstance. And Moses is going to learn that too. Because we see here God's design. Chapter 6, the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let you go. And with a strong hand, he will drive you out of land. He'll be so sick of you, he wants you out of there, Moses. Because of what I'm going to do to him. And God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I am in total control, Moses. Not only your situation here that's a little with this Pharaoh, it's the whole universe, Moses. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and as God Almighty, God the Powerful One. But my name is Lord over everything. And I wasn't known to them that way, only by my power. And I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses, he's got to remind Moses that God's, he's the Lord. Not Moses. And so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because their anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They couldn't see it. Just like Moses, their eyes were blind by their circumstances. And we could understand that. Right now, in this past week, I was reminded that of my niece and her husband and baby. They've been without heat in severe conditions in this country that they're going to win Muslims for. They have no water. 
and my sister is weeping about her baby daughter, who she raised, she was two by herself because her father died of cancer, and is watching her little granddaughter in these conditions, and they are tucked up in a blanket smiling, sending a picture to us that God is good. That's why they named their little girl, God is good. <laughs> what a blessing, what a reminder to us. And we can understand how they felt, these Israelites. But God, through the midst of the disappointment and discouragement, God's got the plan. We gotta remember what Job said, he knows. We gotta trust that omnipotent God. That he has the power to pull things off. And all the leaders of the world, they can huff and puff and try to blow the house down. They will stand before him and give answer. Today when we think about this, we need to think about he knows that we reverence God and we trust him through the trials that we're going through, even though we don't see it and even though it's gone on for years and years and years. Think of these, these, these Hebrews who were there for 400 years in slavery, not seeing it. And they, we need to reference that God. We need to give him high honor. And that we know that recompense is coming to those leaders. Putin, Hitler, Stalin. They all stand before this almighty God. For what they have done. And what they did. And that we have this God. Who is our refuge. That ever present help in the times of trouble. Elizabeth Elliot Leach back in 1958. After her husband and nine, Jim Elliot and four of his friends, missionary friends were murdered and eaten by cannibals by these Alka Indians. She wrote a book that's her life statement, she said, is the shadow of the almighty. Talking about their relationship and how God had it all under his hands. Even Jim's death. But Jim had written that before he left these words, he said, He is no fool who gives not what he cannot keep, what he cannot lose. And he was talking about his salvation. He knew how difficult and scary it was, but he had a mission. He was going to do it. And that God was his refuge. Not his safety, but God was his refuge. And he would deliver. He went into his presence. And we need to see God in that vein. We may not understand we may not see it, but we need to have the attitude that he knows. Back in 1977, 
I took a call to a church in New Jersey. And boy, was I tried. In fact, yesterday, the day before, I was so thrilled to read about the coach from K-State basketball who stood up and said the kids were acting like fools and the despicable way they treat other fans. We're talking about a higher education facility in our great land that should be holding up what is good. And he let him have it. He also, every time he begins an interview, he talks about his Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what matters. This other tomfoolery is fine and good and entertaining, but it doesn't have any internal impact. He was talking about values that these young people should have. That our society has just blown away and thrown away. He's willing to make a stand. He's willing to trust God and use his platform. And I know some of you are going through difficult times. Sandy and I, when we went to that church, we had no clue. You know, sometimes you sign up for something and you say to yourself, what was I thinking? I never thought they would be this way. I never thought how cruel they could be. And I remember for the first five years of our ministry there, it was terrible. And you know when you say things went from bad to worse, they did. And I had some major battles, some people. And God removed them. They walked out. Some of them died. But God had a purpose. And guess what? I played the Moses thing. We even looked. I can remember one Sunday I'd sat down after dinner and I didn't want to say to Sandy what had happened. And we had what was called a magazine and they would list all the jobs for pastors. I began to follow that every Sunday, make phone calls, even visit. And guess what God said? Dave, I've got you here for a purpose. And no matter how hard you try, you're not leaving. Really? Yep. But you know what? After that first five years, in fact, really at the end of the three years, God started moving in young people and coming to Christ. And God changed them. And they became the leaders of the church. And today, they're still there, holding up for God doing ministry but I didn't see that but God had to teach me and show me Dave be patient wait on me and I'll show you
Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that as Job has told us that you know. Forgive us when we struggle with that, Lord, and we want you to work the way we want you to work. And that we find ourselves frail in our faith. Help us to trust you, God. No matter how long it may be, that God, we can trust you fully with our situations, with our circumstances, and that we can watch you work. As you moved in Pharaoh's heart and even hardened his heart even harder, and caused him finally to relinquish, to do it your way. And the powerful things that you caused that brought the deliverance to these people. So, Lord, let us trust you to deliver us from the struggles that we have in our lives. And be confident, no matter what comes our way, it's from you. And we say thank you. And it's through Jesus Christ we pray this, Lord. Amen. Please rise and receive the benediction. And now may the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ shine through you this week. And follow him who knows the way we need to go. Amen. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glory shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, searching and strife. Forever gone, there's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life.